Hello and welcome to the Onside Kick Family Hour. I'm your host, Ryan Van Bever. With me, as always, Steve Manmouth legend, Stephen White. How you doing today, Stephen? <laughs> I'm feeling very mythological right now. <laughs> no, I'm feeling good. How about you? I, I'm, it's good. You know, there's kind of sort of football going on. And I was, I was talking to Thomas George a little earlier this morning because he was at the Jets open camp yesterday. And we were talking about, it's like, I can't believe we're actually talking about football again. Yeah, it feels good, doesn't it? Yeah, it really <laughs> it does. Good. You know, I'm watching today and, uh, you know, you, you get you get different uh, uh, levels of access for, with different teams, obviously. But f- for whatever reason, the Buccaneers seems to let uh, the media that shows up there take a lot of videos. So, you know, up and down my timeline, I'm seeing videos of this guy catching the pass. Yeah. That guy making a breakup. And I'm like, yes, the wait is over. We can actually talk about real stuff happening on the field. Now, most of it <laughs> is still in shorts, so it's yeah. still, still kind of out of temper it. But I'll take it. It's this close. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, it, it, it's about as close as you're going to get uh, until they actually put uh, the the the. the uh, helmets and shoulder pads and all that stuff on and all that good stuff. So we're still a few days away from all that, but hey, man, I'll take it. I, I really will. It does, and it ramps up pretty quick. I mean, you know, it won't be any time at all before long, and we're going to, you know, a week from now, it'll be totally different because everybody's still, you know, there's still quite a few teams. I mean, you got veterans reporting today, and I guess they don't actually start practices till tomorrow, and a couple teams, I think, even Saturday and Sunday don't start practicing. So, you know, by this time next week, though, everything will be heated up pretty well and we'll be in the th- back in the thick of it. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and, and, you know, it's good that they do, you know, make these teams kind of start off in shorts to get guys acclimated to the weather and everything. But, um, you know, real football is played in pads and stuff. So, yeah, uh, you know, that, that'll be when you really start finding out who you have. But at the same time, I saw this on my timeline today on Twitter, and it's true. Look, you can talk about guys making plays and it's just in shorts, but look, you'd much rather be making plays in shorts than not making plays at all. So, uh, <laughs> exactly. you, know, it, it, you can't totally discount what's going on in shorts. But, man, I just, you know, I'd rather see, look, are you still going to catch that pass when there's a chance a guy might light you up? So, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and then too, next week, baby, what we'll have a whole list of those the heat related injuries, all the ha- all the tight hamstrings and oh. sore knees and everything else from everybody having to take some time off, take a day off for that stuff. Yeah, man, that, that, you know that's the one thing that we always know is coming, but nobody's looking forward to, it, and that's those injuries. Somebody's going to get hurt, right? I don't think we've ever gone a preseason totally unscathed where somebody of note didn't get hurt at some point. So uh, it's kind of a just something that goes along with the game. But this uh, yeah, cutting down on the organized practices, I think, does open up guys a little bit more to injury because they're, they're not there. They're not in the, a lot of times the area where they're going to be practicing leading up into training camp. And all of a sudden you fly in the day before and say, for instance, if, if you normally live somewhere much cooler and you fly in the Tampa the day before and try to practice it the next day, you might be a little bit dehydrated <laughs> right off the bat. And, of course, you know, that, that leads to 
those hamstring injuries and, and pulls and stuff of that nature. So um, we know they're coming. Uh, not really looking forward to it, but it, it's kind of a, uh, just a fact of life when you talk about NFL football uh, in, in July and August. Yeah, and well, and we had our first kind of a uh, training camp scare today in in the the Bears camp. Yep, yep, sure did. Uh, the the rookie uh, Leonard Floyd. Yeah, who, you know, I, I don't know about everybody else, but I was a little surprised that they took him anyway. But if for no other reason, than they had a lot of they already got a lot of guys at that position anyway at outside linebacker. But um, he, I guess, he's been sick. It, see, here we go with the media policy again. Uh, at first, the only thing we knew that could be reported was that he was taken off on the cart, right? For whatever reason, the Bears media uh, policy is that uh, the media that's there watching practice can't report on injuries until, I guess, the coach says something. So nobody, I guess nobody was at, this must not have been like a public practice. And so the only people who were there who, who were there were media. And so all you hear is he's carted off to the locker room. That could have been anything. You yeah. Know? And so come to find out, he just he had been sick before today, but he want I guess he wanted to tough through tough it out. Uh, but once again, it, it was I think it was some like eighty percent humidity or something, so, something crazy there today. Is a hot muggy day, and he ended up uh, you know I guess maybe getting overheated or dehydrated or both. And so that's why they took him in. So, you know, thankfully, everybody can kind of breathe a sigh of relief that, you know, they didn't lose a player on the first day. Think about last year, they lost the first round pick, uh, Kevin White, right off the bat. Yeah. So so history didn't repeat itself. But at the same time, it's like, um, you know, how long would that kind of linger? Because, look, if you're sick and, and you're sick enough to where you have to be pulled from practice, because it's hot, well, it's not going to get any cooler, I don't think, very soon. Yeah. And, you know, just how, how quickly can he get over uh, that illness to get back on the field, it will be interesting to watch. Because you don't want to rush him back either, you know. I mean, it's just like he ends up being a revolving door. You go out there for a little while, and he guys come back in again. So, yeah, it's just a tricky situation, man, whether you're dealing with sickness or with injuries, a lot of guys seem seems like a lot of guys on uh, the physically Pop unable list. to perform this 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 year, right? Yeah, and it really does. And and some of them, like it sounds like you know, some of them will be on it for like you know, I didn't get the sense Jordy Nelson would be on it for a long time, but or Julian Edelman. But at the same time, it's like you know, with somebody like Nelson, you see that pup list thing, and it's always like, man, this guy's just had. I mean, I know it's not a torn ACL or anything like that, but it's just like the nagging injuries in that guy's career already. Yeah, and there's several guys kind of around the league like that. You look in, in the rookie Josh Doxson. Yeah. Is on the pup list for an Achilles injury that he basically had kind of downplayed. He and the team had kind of downplayed this whole offseason. He missed some time in OTAs and stuff, but now he's on the pup list. Yeah. And, and we all know that rookies need all the refs they can get right off the bat. Yeah. But again, it's kind of that, that double-edged sword. You want these guys to get reps, and you need to see what they can do. But at the same time, if you put them out there too fast, then they get hurt. So yeah, um, you know, it, it's there was some guys up up in New England on the pup list too. Uh, uh, other than Elderman, uh, I think it was one of the defensive tackles. And I was just wondering to myself, like, I wonder if that's another guy who maybe missed the conditioning test because it was they they put out their pup list mm. after they do their conditioning test. 
So I know with uh, LeGarrette Blunt, I think he was on PUP at first because he couldn't uh, make the conditioning test last year. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just weird, man. You know, like having to deal with that right off the bat in training camp because, again, training camp these days definitely is not that long anymore. No, it's not. Yeah, you to see what these guys can do. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you're stuck in a situation where you, you kind of have to 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 make some allowances for the fact. Do you want them for the season, or do you want them for the preseason? The, the uh, uh, Jr. Sweezy, the, the 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 left guard, the 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 butt son, uh-huh. on the pup list. So uh, you know, in, in those situations, he's supposed to be like a big free agent acquisitions. Gotta be a little bit nervous when they can't practice right at the beginning of camp. Yeah. Yeah, and and I don't know if teams are just like I mean, I guess it's sort of a hedge to put people on the pup list because then if they do, if they can't get back out there pretty quick, you can I mean, I guess you have some flexibility with what you can do with the roster then too, but at the same time, it just it's just like it's like when the cart comes out, like with the Floyd injury with the Bears today. It's like anytime you see that word cart in a player carted off the field, What's you know? What's your first reaction gonna be? You know what I mean? And yeah, and turns yeah. out not to be serious in this case, but just like you know, here you are. Your it's camps going again, and everybody's reporting, and then you're like, oh, pup list. Edelman's on the pup list. Sweezy's on the pup list. Jordy Nelson's on the pup list. Everybody and their brothers on the damn pup list. And you're just like, you know, it's sort of like, you know, in two days, I guess it won't be a big deal, but. At the same time, it's still just a little jarring to see all those names on it. Like I was trying to run down the list yesterday afternoon. I had to give up and didn't have time. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I just I saw uh, Gil Brent. I, I, I follow him, the longtime scout with the Cowboys, and he said like he said he hadn't really tracked, you know, pup lists or whatever over the years. But even for him, this seemed like a particularly high year for as far as the number of guys being put on the pup list at the beginning of the year. So, you know, and I, I imagine, like you said, some of it's a hedge, but at the same time, they're not practicing. Yeah, that's, exactly. At the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. Now, they're still in shorts. It's the first couple of days. But once you get into uh, pads and, and, and get into those preseason games, if those guys still aren't practicing, once again, you got to start getting a little nervous. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, speaking of conditioning tests, we had sort of the weird conditioning test with Mike Wallace and the Ravens. Right. That yeah. <laughs> I tried to follow that on Twitter this morning and like, I was trying to do a couple other things and like, I finally like, this is, it's too bizarre. Cause like you had the stuff on the team website about it and everything. It's like, this is bizarre. Right. You know, normally, uh, first of all, not many guys, uh, fail the conditioning test, uh, and or if they do, maybe more names don't normally come out. We we always kind of get one or two. The most famous one is probably uh, uh, Haynesworth, yeah, by far in, in Washington because of the fall off behind that. Uh, but even when you do hear about guys missing or, or failing a conditioning test, it's usually the big guys, right? <laughs> It's usually a defensive tackle, maybe, you know, offensive line. You hardly ever hear about a wide receiver, right? And and, and Mike Wallace is a speed guy. He's not some big bulky wide receiver or possession receiver or anything like that. He's a 
kind of tall, slender guy who's known for his speed. So you would think if anybody's going to pass a conditioning test, it would be a skilled guy like that. So yeah. that in and of itself was a little weird. And then it's Minnesota. It's not Tampa, Florida, for, uh, for goodness sake. It's not like you're in 100-degree weather. I don't think. Look, I haven't checked uh, weather.com for Minnesota. <laughs> but I don't imagine that it's 100 degrees up there. So it was a little weird that he even felt it in the first place. But, um, but then <laughs> the website, which, as it turns out, the, the – the uh, title of the post itself actually changed. I saw it after the change and didn't realize it. Uh, when I saw the first post, the first thing I saw was basically uh, the title was saying that uh, him failing the, the, the conditioning test was being overblown. Yeah. Right. But initially the title was, Hey, is this being overblown? Like, like there was some question about it. So, I guess maybe the tenor of the responses initially <laughs> solidified the fact that, yeah, people are kind of freaking out over the fact that one of your free agents, you know, guys you brought in as a free agent, uh, uh, Mike Wallace. I'm sorry, he's not in Minnesota anymore. He's, he's Baltimore. in Baltimore. Which is even, which is even worse. That's even, <laughs> I mean, th- there's definitely not 90-degree weather in Baltimore <laughs> right now. I don't think so. Uh, you know, it's 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 weird. It's it, the whole situation is weird because because normally people don't even comment. You know, Belichick is not going to comment on yeah. a guy missing or uh, failing a, a conditioning test. Uh, you know, when Legarrette Blunt failed his, it's just kind of like a thing where, well, you know, uh, we'll we'll figure it out when he passes or whatever. But to come out and basically tell people, hey. Don't freak out about this. Everything's going to be fine. I thought it was a little weird, uh, but it's one of those things. I never had to pass a conditioning test, first of all. Yeah. Let me say this. All these people that talk so much shit about these guys missing uh, uh, failing conditioning tests, look, I'd have failed probably every one, every year. Because I just wasn't built for a conditioning test. I really wasn't. Like, I'm going to tell you, the only time in my career I thought I was going to have to do a conditioning test was at the end of, end of my career, my, in my seventh year, uh-huh. with the Jets. And what happened was that um, nobody told us about it. We, we, we had trained and everything, and then we had our break before camp. And I got this mail, this mail like a letter, saying, oh, yeah, when you report back, you got to do these 300-yard shuttles. I'm like, oh, my. Look, I was so freaked out about it. <laughs> I called my damn coach, like, listen, hey, about the letter that I got. And he's like, no, 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 don't worry about that. Uh, we, we're not going to do that uh, as far as, you know, making you test for it. We, we'll run them, but it's not like a test. Uh-huh. But I'm telling you, man, this shit will freak you out, especially because it's not just running it. It's just it's the mindset of knowing that, look, man, if you don't pass this test, you're going to have to keep doing it. Uh, when I was in college, we had to do a 110 test. Yeah. Uh, and, and that was the fucking worst. Like I failed my freshman year. It was my freshman, like the year after my freshman year that summer, uh-huh. I failed. And every morning before practice, before two a days, we had to go and run one tens again until we passed it. <laughs> like that was at the track. I'm like, this is some bullshit. I'm supposed to run 16 one tens and then practice. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> and like it was just like my mindset was all messed up. I couldn't, I just couldn't get over the mental hurdle of it. I was never a dude that could run 
you know, miles and I don't jog miles. I can run sprints pretty good. Yeah. But a, 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 a 110 yard, uh, you, you don't call that a sprint really to me. <laughs> like 110 yards continuously is a little bit more than a sprint. And like, I ain't made for that shit. So uh, I always sort of empathize, empathize with, I'm sorry, empathize with these guys when they fail these conditioning tests because I know, look, they're, but for the grace of God, go on. Because I'm telling you, man, I really did freak out. When I got that letter, when I was with the Jets, I was about to be like, what? Shit, do I need to fake an injury or some shit? Because I don't really know. Like, I was in good shape. I was fine as far as football shape. But as far as running 300-yard shuttle shape, I don't really know. <laughs> like, I, I, was, I was not quite sure that I was being running 300-yard shuttle shape. <laughs> uh, and, and, and all teams have different kinds of, 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 of conditioning tests. I was just happened to be 300-yard shuttles. Uh, but it's just no, no, no. <laughs> you know, maybe 50-yard sprints, if I could do that. But 110s or 300-yard shuttles, no, nah, y'all can have that shit. For real. <laughs> I know every year, like with the Haynesworth stuff, you had these jackasses going out there. We'll show you, we can run it. Yeah, but you're 210 pounds soaking wet, maybe. Yeah. You talking about guys 280 pounds trying to run for it? No, no, it's a big difference, buddy. I promise you. So, I, I, look, I'm 100% anti uh, conditioning test anyway. Um, <laughs> Now, I might joke on Mike Wallace just because he's a skinny guy. Skinny guy is supposed to be able to do this shit all day long. Yeah. But as far as just in general, just the concept of making somebody pass a running test to play football. Look, how many times people say when you talk about a guy having a fast 40 time, so, well, this ain't track. This ain't, you damn right yeah, it ain't exactly. track. It's football. Let's go out here and do some football shit if you want to figure out a conditioning test. But this running, this that is not football. That ain't really for me. So, like I said, I, I you know I kind of empathize with Mike Wallace because no matter what, man, fans are not going to give him a break on it. <laughs> no, gonna, especially be, Mike Wallace of all people, too. Oh, you know man, look, he, he's already kind of you know, had this reputation of a diva and all that stuff. So I can't even imagine what his mentions look like today. Oh God. I can't, I, yeah, I just, it's crazy. And then, whew, you throw that, ra- throw the Ravens thing in there. I just, that was making, that made me think when I saw that. It's like, man, I, you know, somebody came and told them to change that on the website. Had to. Had I, can, to. I just can't even imagine having to do that job. The, the, uh, the team PR person having to deal I mean, with it was just like was, that. What was funny about it is like, they didn't even have all the details. Like, it, they want you to be calm about it like it's no big deal. But I read the article and, and basically what they were saying is that there was some kind of test where they had to do something six times. They didn't say what. Mm-hmm. They, they didn't know exactly what the length was, <laughs> but they had to do it six times and it had to be in a certain amount of time. Yeah. So evidently he got five out of the six right, but they didn't know how far off he was on the sixth one. Like, maybe he could have been a second. Yeah. He could have been 30 seconds. Hell, he could have just quit. We don't know. But even though they don't know any of these details, evidently, they're still telling everybody, hey, don't worry about it. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, was, it was a very odd post to me. I just, normally you would, just wouldn't say anything about it, if anything. Yeah. But to come out and kind of defend him, maybe they just really like 
him and, and think he's going to be a, a, a big contributor this year or something. I don't know. But I, I just thought that was a little bit odd. And, and maybe not a bad thing, of course. It's never bad for a team to be kind of taken up for their player. And like I said, I'm anti-running you know, test anyway. But I just thought eh, it's a little bit odd yeah. that the team felt like they needed to come out and tell people, hey, man, relax, just chill out. He, he missed the conditioning test, but he's going to be okay. So we'll see how that turns out. A lot of people were already skeptical of him being in, in, in Baltimore anyway. Uh, but who knows? We'll, we'll see how it works out in the end. Yeah. Well, with his injury history, I, you know, he's got the injury history, on not which isn't doesn't always work out in his favor either for getting the benefit of the doubt on these things too. But we'll see. I, I, there was a story. Levante David told a story about having to go to when he went to Fort Scott Community College. Now, Fort Scott's out in the middle of just eastern <laughs> Kansas. Now, you talk about desolate. Eastern Kansas. Western Kansas is pretty desolate. Eastern Kansas is just as desolate, but it's hot. It's hotter than shit out there and humid, too. And I know Levante David's from Miami, and I know it's not exactly, you know, arctic blast down there but you know at least i guess you could sort of have an ocean breeze theoretically there ain't no ocean breeze in fort scott kansas and he's talking <laughs> about having to like go out like every time somebody talks about a junior college that, that's how they describe it <laughs> <laughs> but just they're making they were out making him run on like the quad not even on like a track or something until what? they could pass the thing yeah i have to go back go up to you have to Google it and find it, but yeah, just like it's the pointlessness of conditioning tests. Man, li- listen, yeah, it's just it wasn't my thing. I promise you, I, it wasn't. I, I, I maybe it was a mental block. I don't know, but I just was not with. That <laughs> was not for me. Uh, <laughs> listen, I tell you, the, one of the funniest things that ever happened while I was at Tennessee though was. A receiver who will remain who will remain nameless. Uh, see, see, the deal is this: even in college, and, and this is kind of to the pros too, is that generally, if you if you're there, like if you're there in college during the summer and you work out for like ninety percent of the workouts, you don't have to do a conditioning test. Mm-hmm. So I, I missed some time uh, after that first season because my mother passed. Mm-hmm. But I, I never just. A day after that, I promise you, if, if it meant getting out of those one tens, I was going to stay the whole summer every year. Uh-huh. So this guy, this particular guy, wide receiver and, 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 and kick returner, went home, uh, and he just figured he was going to make it. All I'm saying is, by like the 14th one ten, he didn't have nothing on but some cleats and a jock strap. <laughs> I swear <laughs> to God, put it on everything I love. He was running one tens and nothing but cleats and a jock strap, and still didn't make it. <laughs> still didn't make it. So yeah, I, look, no, never ever, never ever want to do another uh, running test in my life after that. After that, after my freshman year, I learned my lesson. I just know if there was any way to get out of doing that, I was not doing a running test. <laughs> And yet, somehow, I was in shape still. So, you know, <laughs> that's the thing. Like, it, it, it wasn't like I was out of shape ever. Nobody ever said, well, you know, this guy, he looks like he needs to run more. But it's just running tests, man. Something about him. Like you said, it's just kind of pointless. 
No, I agree. I, I, I think running's awful. I mean, I would really like, I'll do it. I'll do anything for, I'll cut the damn grass again, even if it doesn't need cutting to get exercise <laughs> to avoid running. I mean, that's how much I hate it. Yeah, absolutely. But so. it's that time of year. It's uh, got to have something. Everybody's excited about football. Got to have something to talk about. So, you know, got to, if, if somebody can fail a conditioning test, I guess more power to you. If you're out there Look, covering those camps, huh? <laughs> and definitely Mike Wallace is the one guy who's not in the best shape of his life. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they the guys are tired of hitting it. And that's the one guy you point to and be like, well, this guy, this guy might not be in the top shape of his life. So, <laughs> uh, but again, hopefully a couple weeks from now, we'll be talking about Real, real football. Yeah, exactly. And then, I like, tell you, at this point, I just take anything. And about four weeks from now, we'll be already be sick of the preseason. Just think. Right. You know, everybody <laughs> be complaining about that point. Why do we even have a preseason? Let's cut all the games. Cut these games. We gotta cut these games. I just can't wait for a preseason game. Anything. <laughs> real. I think what is August seventh or eighth? Is maybe the Hall of Fame game. I'm not it's, sure. It's pretty quick. Like, I mean, it's like it's coming real fast before you know it. Yeah, if, if that's true, then like that should be like not this weekend, but next weekend. Yeah, yeah. I so. think that's it. I think it's that Sunday night, um, like whatever the seventh or eighth or whatever that weekend it is. Obviously, I'm a cal- I'm also a sprinting guy. Also a big calendar guy, as as you could probably tell here. <laughs> you and me both. My calendar, I would not remember. I still have to use paper and pencil for all that shit. Everybody's got their iPhone calendars and stuff like that. I can't. I just can't. It's, <laughs> I don't know why. I mean, I'm sure it's probably easier, but just you know, yeah. I, I'm old enough to be a still be a analog guy in some respects um speaking of older analog people uh ryan fitzpatrick's got a contract surprise 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 man listen (laughs) (laughs) i'm so sick i was so sick of this damn story and 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 my thing is this and and, you know i'm wrong i understand i'm wrong but if you're gonna string this out for this long why not string it out for a little while longer I mean, for real. Like, seriously. Y'all done played with everybody's emotions all fucking all season just to give the guy the same contract he wanted after the draft. But now you're going to give in the day before training camp? I mean, come on now. Like, I'm disappointed both sides at this point. You done dug in your heels for this (laughs) long. Somebody should have been like, no, the hell with this. We'll talk to you again next week or something. Let them miss a training camp practice or two. So, I, you know, it's, it's anticlimactic because we all knew at some point somebody was going to cave. Otherwise, they would have stopped talking a long time ago. But I'm just like, come on now. Oh, you got to be here by 7 o'clock. What if he showed up at 730? You trying to tell me at 730? No, you can't have you. you, you don't want <laughs> Bullshit. Bullshit. After all this, you was going to let it. If he, if he had car trouble or his Uber didn't get there in time, oh, no, we were sitting there. Get the this, fuck out of here. This contract turns into a pumpkin at 701. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> so, look, again, I know rationally I shouldn't feel that way, but just emotionally, 
I was already tired of talking about this shit, but y'all want to take it up right to the day before training camp and then somebody give in. Yeah. That's just ridiculous. Well, and and I tell you what, I the, wait, you think it's anticlimactic now. Wait till I, I get this feeling that when the season starts, I don't know, like I I, I get the sense that Ryan Fitzpatrick's 2015 season is not easily repeatable. Well, that and I do believe they're going to be playing the NFC West. Yes. This year, which will really make it a lot harder to repeat his 2015. So, and look, nobody knows who's good right now. Right. We always think we do. We we think we know who's going to be good going into the season, but injuries and, and certain guys stepping up and certain guys playing down, you just don't really, really know. Um, there's only a few teams that's always consistently good or consistently bad. But the NFC West seems to be at least a pretty fucking strong league. Yeah. Then you got the NFC East, which, okay, we know Brady's going to miss four games, but the, the, the AFC East is still a pretty good a pretty good division. And then you got, you know, the Dolphins should be a little bit better yeah. now that they actually Bills. have a coach. The field should be better the second year with Rex Ryan. Uh, this is not exactly going to be a cakewalk for them. Mm-mm. And so you have a guy who is not an ascending player, right? He, regardless of, of, of his 2015, at this point in his career, I don't think anybody believes that the, his best days are ahead of him. Like he's right. going to keep getting better. Um. And he did have some pretty good years in Buffalo, hence the big contract. Yeah. But I just don't see him as an ascending player. So even if you just got from him this year, what you got from him last year, I don't think the results are going to be the same. Because I think you need to play better. I think he's going to need to play better than he did last season against potentially tougher competition in order for them to have the kind of success that they had last season. Yeah. So, look, it, uh, it, it, it's why this whole situation doesn't make any damn sense. Yeah. At all. Because you wasted all this fucking time to sign a guy to a one-year deal, one-year deal for $12 million. For what? I mean, it certainly shows that you don't have any confidence in him beyond this season. Yeah. So why even do that? Why not give somebody else a chance? If you don't think he's the guy, if you don't think he's the quarterback of the future, why play around for all this time, this whole offseason, instead of just moving on? Yeah. Right? Is he really going to make that much of a fucking difference this year? Is he going to take you to the Super Bowl (laughs) this season? I just don't see it. I don't know anybody who thinks, hey, they they got Fitz back now. They're Super Bowl contenders. Yeah. Who believes that? Nobody. So if you're not going to be a Super Bowl contender anyway, why not at least see, hey, let's see what, what Geno can do. Let's see what Petty can do. Let's see what our rookie can do. But you, you, you basically just, I don't even know what the call is when you're, you're hitching your wagon to a guy for one year who I don't think anybody believes can, can take them to the promised land. It just, it, it boggles the mind. Yeah. You know, and I guess that's what was so startling about this is like, I, I mean, I guess this is a sign that they have 
there's just no confidence in Geno Smith for the Jets. And and of all the quarterbacks on the roster, but they got Bryce Petty that they drafted what in the middle, what, I think, fourth or fifth round last year, and then they got Hackenberg <laughs> that they drafted in the second round this year. And Fitz now, and Geno's the only guy out of those four that this that the current regime there did not select in one way or another. But I, you know, I guess I, I feel like I look back at Gino's, I mean, I know nothing that Gino did has done in his career so far has been especially impressive, but when he had that most of a full season in 2014 and didn't have a great team around him, he didn't, he certainly didn't have a Brandon Marshall to throw passes to, but he got better as the season went on, and his December, he five starts in December, he played pretty well. I think he played, safe to say, above average in that December, and it was enough to me that I would want to at least see because they got to make a contract decision with this guy after the season too. Right. Or, you know what? <laughs> Listen, if, 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 you, if you're that invested in fits, go ahead and give him this contract right after the draft like he was asking for yeah. And, and put Gino up for trade yeah. or release him because you know this tells me you know you don't want Gino. Tell yeah. you don't really want Fitz after this year either, but you definitely don't want Gino. So give him to somebody, not necessarily give him away. Try to trade him to somebody else or, or finally release him because you're wasting your time with him mm-hmm. and, and you're wasting his time. So what, what's the what's the point? Look, I, I, look, just I had written up this great. Breakout player article for Geno Smith <laughs> last year, this. right? And, and and I knew that I was going to catch a lot of shit, but I I really believe, having gone back and watched this film, particularly the last game of the 2014 season, uh-huh. season he lit the, the 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 Dolphins up. Yeah, the whole fucking game. I think he had some close to like 400 yards receiving, but it just so happened to be the first time where he had Decker actually healthy. Yeah. Right. That was the thing. They signed they signed Decker to be the number one receiver for him because before that they had him throwing the receivers who were closing their eyes to catch the fucking football. Yeah. Literally. And so you, you bring in Decker to be the number one, which most of us were sure he's always going to be a number two, which he back. He's back to being now with Brandon Marshall mm-hmm. and he's much better in that role. But you bring him in to be a number one and he was hurt the whole season. Yeah. So he was throwing the receivers even worse than Decker. Most of the season, but that one game against Miami, he torched the shit out of them the whole game. Yeah. Like I'm talking about not, you know, broken coverage here or guys. He was dropping dimes in that game. And I was like, man, if this guy can kind of take this momentum over into this season, finally he has a counter receiver in Brandon Marshall, who, yeah, Brandon Marshall is going to drop a few, but man, this guy has just incredible range. You throw it anywhere near him. And he's liable to catch. Yeah. Him, right? He never has had a guy like that as a professional quarterback. And and then, you know, it all gets derailed with one punch. So I, I really did believe that he was set with a better cast around him, with what I thought was going to be a better coaching staff for him around him as well, with with, with Ty Bowles coming in and, 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 and an improved commitment to the running game. He had a shot. Yeah, now, he never got a chance to do anything. He came in in the middle of a, a Raiders game, which just was not a, a good situation. Wouldn't have been a good situation for anybody. Yeah, uh, when, when when Fitz went down and got hurt, but 
I, I just still think, look, the, the kid is not just awful. He obviously has some potential. So at least see what you have. Hell, at least it will make him more attractive as trade bait. Yeah. But now you're not you're definitely not going to get anything for him after he sits on the bench for two years straight. No, not at all. So what what are you doing? Why are you wasting refs? Those are refs that Bryce Petty could be getting, that Hackenberg could be getting, but you're giving them to a guy who you know you're not going to extend past this year. You know he wants to start. You know yeah. he at least wants is going to want a new environment if he sits for two years straight after he went into last training camp as the number one guy. Yeah. So I, I just don't understand what they're doing when it comes to Gino. And, and look, I, I, I'm past saying or advocating for him being a starter in New York this season. Yeah. But I'm just saying that as an organization, you got to understand that, look, if you know a guy isn't in your plans and you have other guys you've already brought in to kind of be a, at least a number two, a competent number two, then you're supposed to use that guy that you don't want as, as a bargaining chip, as a guy who can bring you a, 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 a draft pick, even if it's a, a six-round pick, it's better than nothing. Yeah. And now they're going to end up not getting anything if he sits on the bench for two years. And obviously, I, I'm pretty sure anybody with the Jets, after they just paid Fitz $12 million for this season, hopes yeah. that they don't have to see Geno this year because that would mean that either Fitz fell on his face or he got hurt. Yeah. So it, it's just... It's one of those things where, like, why? What, what are you doing right now? Uh, there's two, they already got four quarterbacks, maybe more than that, but I know they got at least four. And that's a lot of guys to try to spread reps around from, especially when Fitz ain't been there all, all season. So you would think they're going to give him even more reps this preseason well, yeah, to try to course. get him reacclimated to all of his wide receivers. Yeah, and then he even said today, well, he didn't really, he hasn't really done much <laughs> conditioning. Speaking of conditioning tests, hasn't really done much of any, any of that stuff during the off season this year. Because right. obviously he wasn't signed, so there were no mini camps, no OTAs or anything like that for Fitz. So, yeah, I'm sure he's worked. I mean, he's a vet, an older veteran. I'm sure he knew what to do to oh to yeah, at least football shape. But but the timing aspect of it that, that's one thing we talked about. This all season that the timing aspect is what you're really looking for in the OTAs and stuff, right? There's a lot of glorified things that don't really make much difference with the OTAs and the mini camps. But with quarterbacks and receivers, it's them getting on the same page and getting that rhythm and that confidence in each other, knowing that they're going to be in the right spot, knowing where the quarterback wants to throw the football to you at. Mm-hmm. And, and that's been missing this whole offseason. So it's going to take a while for him to get that back. I just don't expect him to come in and, and have that right away. Matter of fact, uh, uh, I saw some, some camp reports from Green Bay the other day, and they were talking about how, uh, Aaron Rodgers uh, wasn't on the same page with some of his receivers yeah. right off the bat. Even with the really good ones, it takes a while. So you, the only way to get that is more reps. And so, again, that's more reps for Fitz. That means fewer reps for the backups. And that means if Geno Smith is not in your long-term plans, the guy who is, Petty and Hackenberg, they're getting even fewer reps for no reason, too. Yeah. Yeah, and it's crazy, you know, that there that Geno's buried and you know, this team's like kind of going out of their way not to give him reps or give him a chance even. And 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 you know, we're in the same league where Blaine Gabbert has 
an edge in a quarterback competition. I mean, the quarterback situation is terrible around the NFL. And here's a guy that can be a decent quarterback. I mean, I don't, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get all hyperbole on his ceiling or anything, but you know, it's a guy that's got enough skills to put, if you get him in the right situation, he could be a decent quarterback. And there's a lot of teams that would kill for a decent quarterback (laughs) right now. Again, looking back on last season, how many of those teams did we see that had a shitty backup that ended up getting exposed because the starter got hurt or the starter lost his job, right? All around the league, about midway through the season, you had all these teams trying to find a, a, a quarterback because their backup, the guy they were relying on, ended up sucking. Yeah. And so you can't tell me that Geno couldn't at least come in for spot duty in some of those spots. I mean – Come on now. I I saw some of these dudes last year uh, starting games. They had Josh Freeman and, and some other dude, I can't remember the other dude, taking turns at the end of the season for the Colts last year oh, shit. in the last game. Look at the Cowboys. That? Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. Won. Yeah. It won. Found a way to win. But literally, Josh Freeman, who once again is not on an NFL roster, just popped up out of nowhere for one game. And that's how far teams, that's how desperate teams were Yeah, in the last season. But Geno Smith can at least be a competent backup somewhere. And again, yeah, he's going to be a backup this season. He's probably going to be a number two this season. Mm-hmm. But he's not going to be a number two long term. Uh, Bryce Petty and, and, and Hackenberg will have to fall on their faces for the Jets to be so nervous that they re-sign, re-sign Geno next year. Or, or, or teams just have to be so afraid that they don't want to go out there and bid on Geno next year. So he has nowhere else to go. Yeah. I, I don't see any of those situations really arising unless he ends up actually playing at some point this season. So yeah. I, it, it just, again, you knew what Fitz wanted after the draft. Yeah. You could have given him that and then gotten rid of Geno by now and moved on. But now you said you, you, you put yourself in a situation where if Geno has any trade value by next season or by the end of this season, it's going to be because the Fitz experiment didn't work out well. So there's no way that you want that to actually come forth anymore, mm-hmm. right? There's no way that you actually want to want Geno to have trade uh, 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 value because that would mean that he had to come in and play at some point this season. Yeah. And, 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 the only two ways that happens, neither one of them is good for the Jets. Yeah. I, well, it's uh-uh. the Jets, you know, the Jets have always, I, ever since I can, you know, for a long time now at any rate, the Jets have been one of those teams that just, they do something smart and then they do three things that you're just like, what in the hell? You know, you just cannot figure it out. But I don't know. We'll, what, we'll see what happens. See what else. And, and uh, I think it was Joe Banner, uh, the former executive yeah. with the Eagle, was on. I saw one of his tweets yesterday that also makes a good point because he said that um, with the Jets folding right at the end, that's going to signal to all the agents that hey, if we just wait them out, eventually they're going to give in. Yeah, and that seems a bad signal that you know a lot of guys now are going to start going to the front office and being like, we want this. 
and we're not coming in until we get it. Yeah. And they're just going to be willing to wait out the front office because it looks like they're always going to fold. Because yeah. it was also the situation with the first-round pick, too. Uh, Darren, Darren Lee, Lee or Deron Lee, uh, who wanted his contract a, a certain way, and he was one of the last first-round picks that wasn't signed, and, and finally they folded with him, too. Yeah. So be interesting to see. I mean, I know it's – I can't even remember who the GM is now for the Jets, but I know uh, he came in and replaced Idzik. Uh, but it would be interesting to see how this new regime is perceived Especially about the agent community, if if all of a sudden everybody's showing up to the door, knocking on the door, saying, "Hey, we want some new money." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, you know, and they got they got a big contract thing coming up with uh, Sheldon Richardson next season too. So, yeah, and if that kid actually stays out of trouble and plays the way he's capable of playing, that is going to be an interesting situation too. So. Yeah, yeah, it uh. It'll be it'll be something to watch, that's for sure. Uh, let's see what else is going on out there in the world of training camp startup. It sounds like the Browns, though. I guess they're technically having a quarterback battle, but it sounds like it's really sort of as long as RG three stays healthy and doesn't screw up, it's it's his job. Right, and, and, and it's one of those situations where. Uh, again, you, you kind of have to see them do it in pads. Uh, yeah. It, when, when there is a wide open competition, you hate for a guy to win the competition in shorts anyway. Uh, it, it, that's just not real football. Yeah. You're throwing pretty balls when nobody's rushing you. So, and we know that w- one of the problems, uh, the major problems with RG3 has been, uh, you know, him not protecting himself and stuff when, when the live bullets start flying. So uh, I think that. It'll be interesting to see. They say they're going to name the starter before the first preseason game. Uh, so you're not going to see any of those guys facing real live bullets. You know, you're not going to see them in a game before a starter is named, but they should have, I'm sure, some full padded practices in before that time. Uh, but it, it, it looks like it's going to be RG3. And I know this, this, this offseason – there have been mixed reports coming out of Cleveland, right? Mm-hmm. Some people were all of a sudden, uh, Josh McCown, uh, they, they had him taking control. And, you know, he was the guy <laughs> yeah. who's in command. Don't believe all these other internet reports. It's Josh McCown. He's going to take it over. And then, then other people were, were kind of high on the rookie. Uh, I think it's Kessler. Yeah. Uh, so, so you know, you never know. <laughs> Everybody's got their own sources, right? But uh, the tone evidently this morning, uh, which I, I guess they haven't actually started camp, I guess they start practice tomorrow, seemed to kind of point to RG3 being the guy. Yeah. And, and I've said this before, man. I, I just, I'm really excited to see what he can be under Hugh Jackson. I think um, there's a lot of reason to believe that Hugh will tailor his offense uh, in a way that accentuates all of, of, of RG3's yeah. good traits while kind of getting away from stuff that he isn't as good at, which I think the best coordinators do in the first place. Yeah. So maybe not going back to, you know, that first, that rookie year RG3 offense in, in Washington, but but doing some of the things that really allows him to, to kind of, you know, push the ball down the field. He's very good throwing the deep balls, uh, maybe a little bit more play action, leaning on the running game a little bit more without him being the guy that's running the mm-hmm. football. 
And so I, I just I'm really excited to see. I'm excited to see the Browns. Period under Hugh because I think Hugh is is a guy that should have gotten a second chance a long time ago. Yeah, for sure. After his time with the Raiders, but especially um, with the way he's kind of, you can just kind of feel that he has this guarded optimism about RG three. Yeah, and I want to see what he's seen in practice, what he saw in that first workout that made him want to sign him, and I want to see that come to come to fruition and see what he can actually do with this kid. Cause the kid had a bunch of talent, a bunch of, 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 of uh, potential. We know that he can still chunk the football down the football field. We know that he's pretty fast now after, you know, a few years recover out from the, the knee injury. Yeah. And so it just, it, he still has all of that potential. He, he hasn't put it together yet, obviously. Uh, but in a situation where, He's in a new city where it looks like everybody's actually going to be pulling for him to do well, yeah. to rebound, and it not you know not all the negativity and, and looking all over his shoulder. I, I think I'm just really kind of excited to see what he can be with Hugh Jackson. Yeah, and uh, and and don't forget, you know, he's got Josh Gordon back in the mix now too. I mean, Josh Gordon has the first four games he's suspended, but and he's on the pup li- yet another player on the pup list too, <laughs> right? Um, you know, he's still, he's going to have Josh Gordon for the majority of the season, you know, as long as Gordon can stay healthy and out of trouble, but that's huge. I mean, obviously they know, they knows him from college, but yeah, but, and just like, you know, you don't receivers that can do what Josh Gordon did with, you know, quarterbacks like Brandon Whedon and all those other guys throwing him the ball. You just can't, you know you put you put him out there with RG3 it's a much different story i mean that i don't know that RG3's had a receiver of that caliber since he's been in the NFL not really not not when he was actually the starter yeah right? he he was about to have it the year that he gets hurt in preseason and then ends up with Deshaun um, yeah but he he never really got to play with that guy no so uh, I, I mean look and they got Corey Coleman they they have a situation where now he actually should know those guys too, right? Just on yeah. a personal level, he knows Josh Gordon because they were at Baylor together. Yeah. He knows Corey Coleman because he's from Baylor. And again, and he's got a, a head coach who wants him to succeed. Yeah. Um, and, and he's got a running game, man. Uh, Isaiah Crowell, I know he's catching a lot of heat uh, for his Instagram post, uh, the anti-police Instagram post. Uh, I guess he, uh, some picture of, someone slid in a police officer's neck. Yeah. And so he's been trying to uh, kind of bounce back from that and, 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 and show remorse and penance. Since then, I think he attended uh, one of the officer in Dallas's funeral, yeah, as a matter right. of fact. So he, he's in the doghouse, and rightfully so. But when he plays, he's a hell of a player. Duke Johnson is a weapon, yeah. right? He, he, can, he can run the football, but more importantly – He's a chess piece. You can move him anywhere, out wide, in the slot, anywhere, and he can be a, mis- uh, a matchup problem for any guy that's lined up across from him. Yeah. And, again, you have Hugh Jackson, who's a very innovative coach. So you're, he's in a really good situation. And, and, again, it might not be RG3, right? It might be Josh McCown or Kessler. Whoever it is, I think, is in a very good position to succeed there. Even though they don't have the big-name guys other than Josh Gordon, and we still don't really know if he's going to – get over this hump, right? Yeah. We thought he was coming back last year, and then all of a sudden he was suspended again. So we don't, we're not for sure that this is going to take with him. 
But I, I think that there's a lot of talent on the team that, that people tend to over, overlook. Gary Barnes, the, the tight end that broke out last yeah. season. Uh, and, and their offensive line, I don't think, is in, is in as bad a spot as people believe. They, they still have Joe Thomas. And when you have an outstanding left tackle, that solves a lot of problems. It really yeah, it does. really does. So, and, and, and I, you know, I, I've had my criticisms of the center from Florida State, um, but it was mostly because he's a guard. Yeah. He, he just is a, a strong enough guy. At center, you can be a little lighter uh, and just use your quickness. And yeah. I think he, he, can, he can do some good things there. So, um, just on that offensive side of the ball, I think people are kind of overlooking because it's the Browns, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Let's be honest. It, this comes down to one thing. The perception of the Browns. And for so long, it's been one way. And it's going to take them going out and actually performing and winning games and doing things for people to kind of overcome that perception of them. But I think if you look a little bit uh, deeper, if if you actually get into the roster and who they have, who they can, can put out there on the field, when you look at it, the offense is not that bad. No. Talent wise, it really isn't that bad. And so Whoever is playing quarterback, if they can put it together, man, they can be a decent offense. But if RG3 can actually refine himself, if he can kind of tap into that potential again mm-hmm. and, and really blossom, they can be even more than just good. They they could be an exciting offense, I think. Yeah, and you know, too, if they if they can if they can sustain some progress this year in Cleveland, not just with obviously with RG three, I mean that's kind of the linchpin for all of it. But if the team as a whole can sustain some progress, they're going to be in pretty good shape going into next year because what they've got extra draft picks from all the trading they did this year. They've got you know they've got a real chance to start. Then you kind of you you get through this season, and next year you can start. You can chase a couple free agents. You can get the. You've got some good top one hundred draft picks to spend to get some to bring in some talent. And you know this is a Browns team that you can start. You can look at them right now and say there's reason to be optimistic here. And they hadn't been that way for a while. And also, they had like seventeen draft picks this year, right? Yeah. <laughs> they just like a whole bunch of guys this year. And that's usually how it happens when a team starts its turnaround. Yeah. You, you talk about the 49ers. I remember we used to make all those jokes when when uh when Harbaugh was there about how they would just hoard picks. They had all, yeah. all these picks. And so you know, if the first two guys didn't make it, well, maybe the third guy would. And so they always kind of had some up and coming guys uh uh in, in the stable there on yeah. both sides of the ball. Uh, and that's kind of how you start doing it. You go all the way back to the Cowboys, and when they got all those draft picks, uh, 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 trading um, the running back, Hershel uh, mm-hmm. Walker. Yeah. And then, and that's how they built those Super Bowl teams. So uh, another factor in this year that you're talking about is that all these young guys, all these rookies, are probably going to play some this year too. Yeah. And so they'll be in, going into their second year in the same system, and now they have rep, game reps under their belt. So they'll be really looking to take off. Not all of them will, of course, but some of them will. Yeah. So, like you said, next year, going into next year, man, uh, they kind of position themselves to be pretty damn good, you know, unless they have some major injuries. Uh, I, I, uh, I know somebody got hurt on defense recently and tore a pet, their leading sack oh, guy. Oh, uh, Desmond year. Bryant. Desmond Bryant, and he tore his pet. 
But the truth of the matter is, they needed some more guys to step up on defense anyway. Yeah. Uh, and, and and they drafted uh, uh, the kid out of, of, of Oklahoma State, I Opa. think, to to be one of their uh, uh, rush linebackers. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, uh, uh, I can't remember how to pronounce his Eman- name. I, yeah. I can't. It's Emmanuel. Right. Uh, is his first name? Osborne. Yeah. Uh, and they you know still trying to get something out of Barkevius Mingo, but. Uh, again, they, they they got Danny Shelton last year mm-hmm. at nose tackle, and, and he's lost some weight, and he's looking to – They got Xavier Cooper up. from the year before, too, on their D-line. Yep, and, and it, uh, they should get back uh, their cornerback, uh, Joe Hayden, this year, who I think yeah. he also started on the pup list, but, you know, has been outstanding but was hurt most of last season. So they, they have – some talent, you know, nobody believes in the Browns and rightfully so they, they kind of have <laughs> given us reason not to believe in it. But with this new staff and with the way they draft this year and with some of the free agent moves and stuff. And again, if RG three can tap into that potential once more. Yeah. Now that he got people actually pulling for him, this team could be a lot better than people suspect. So again, you know, I, I understand uh, just kind of like with the Geno <laughs> breakout player, yeah, I know people are going to give me shit about this. Oh, RG3, oh, I don't give a shit. I'm just telling you that the, they are set up, they're setting themselves up, not just for this year, but to be pretty good as you go along into the future as well. Yeah. And so maybe RG3 does fall on his face. Maybe it ends up being Josh McCown. Hell, maybe it's Cody Kessler. But I think with this staff and with the way they're going about things, this team is starting, they're at the starting point of their turnaround. Yeah. So we'll see how far they can go with you, but I, I'm just excited about the direction this team uh, is going in, especially because he's now the head, head coach. Yeah, exactly. No, I, and I think if, you know, to me, it, it, and then one, the other thing I think with Cleveland that you got to, if the owner can kind of keep his finger off the trigger, you know what I mean? He seems like one of the Haslam's, kind of so far been one of those owners that's had an itchy trigger finger for firing guys. And if he can just kind of stay, extract himself from the process a little bit, I think it'll be a much better off and you can kind of let the, let the football people run the football program, you know? Yeah. The thing is, is we haven't heard a whole lot from him lately. Yeah. I can tell. And so I think that's a great thing, actually. I, I think, Maybe more than anything else, this whole Johnny Manziel implosion maybe has opened his eyes to the fact that he was part of the problem. Yeah. Because I, I'm really thinking about it. I, I can't remember the last time we even heard from him. No, no, and, not and, at all. And at one point, he was a little bit more vocal. He was, you know, kind of trying to be out there like, hey, this is my team and this is what's going on and yeah. we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And so perhaps because he hired you know, Hugh Jackson and they kind of overhauled their front office as well. Maybe he's finally taking a step back and letting the football guys handle football. At least I hope. But you never know until you get to the thick of things. It's easy to be quiet in the offseason when when games aren't being won or lost. Yeah. Uh, See, we'll have to wait kind of to the regular season to see if this silence kind of continues. But what I'm hoping is that when when, when and if they do have success in Cleveland or the Hugh, he would just still kind of st- sit in the background and just let yeah. you know, let things happen like they should instead of trying to take control or, or uh, uh, you know, 
interject himself in the process when he doesn't need to. Well, maybe maybe uh, maybe the FBI investigation into his company taught him a, yeah, a lesson I, about <laughs> yeah, you know. about having some space between you and the other and the other leaders in the business. That might, might have taught him a lesson too. <laughs> I'm sure you know, being up on you know being about to be indicted and stuff for rebate, <laughs> faulty rebate. Uh, uh, shenanigans, ripping off uh, working pro- class truckers. I mean, you working out? You ripping off blue, the the ultimate blue class, uh, 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 blue collar worker. Other than coal miners, is what truck drivers? Yeah, you, yeah, truck drivers. I mean, come on, man. So yeah, I I would say that might have also kind of given him reason to step back into the shadows. But as our friend PFT commenter would have said, maybe he has been humbled. <laughs> <laughs> but ego is gonna eat you know it, the guys with egos can only kind of repress them for so long yeah so exactly we, we'll see we'll, we'll see, see how it goes um yeah you know we we talk about coaches on here a lot we don't necessarily talk about a lot about coaching contracts but a couple smart coaching moves i think in the last couple last 24 hours mike zimmer and pete carroll both got extensions with minnesota and seattle respectively probably saw that coming I mean, there's no reason those teams wouldn't have extended those guys. Right. Uh, They've both done an excellent job. Obviously, Pete Carroll has has taken his team to the promised land and got one ring and almost got another one. Yeah. He would just hand the ball off to Uh, Sorry about that, Danny. (laughs) 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 Uh, But he's obviously done a great job for them. I I think the the bigger deal is Zimmer getting – Yeah. An extension. Here's a guy who got passed over how many times for how many jobs? Yeah. And, and then he goes in there and, and immediately makes a positive impact, impact with the Vikings where they want to make sure they got him locked down right away. You know, some, some a lot of teams will probably wait for year three or whatever, right? Yeah. They're, 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 but well, maybe you had a couple good years, but let's see. If, they, they understand in Minnesota that he's turned around not just the, 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 the record of that team, but the whole mindset and the whole uh, feeling you get about the team, you watch them now. Yeah. I think they saw him, you know, steer through the whole situation with, with Adrian Peterson and you know, he demanding trades and all this kind of stuff out this situation where he, he, he uh, you know, with his kid and, and still found a way to make it work. Yeah. And so I think he's shown enough already not only to to justify uh the extension but also have some of these other teams that passed over him wondering what the fuck were they thinking <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah because you know he really i mean he doesn't get enough credit for the way he i mean i think that whole adrian peterson i don't know that any other coach could have resolved it the way it got resolved in the end you know and it worked out for both the player and the team I think maybe another coach could have could have gotten to the point where, okay, Adrian Peterson is part of the team, yeah, but he's not very happy about it, and so you know we, we'll just roll from there. But from all reports, they actually like each other. Yeah, you know, like like he didn't just kind of you know just you know make do or or well we we, we got to tolerate each other. But he earned the respect of Adrian Peterson by how he handled the situation. 
And he and he didn't do that by kissing his ass. Yeah, exactly. Right? I, like he he earned his respect by just being a man. Yeah, and being upfront and honest about him. And I think that's probably the trickiest part about this, and, and why a lot of coaches wouldn't have been able to do it because I don't think they'd have, they'd have known how to approach the situation like that. I, I think yeah. you know some would have went too far one way, and some would have went too far the other. Some would have yeah. been just this incredible hard ass, and some would have been too soft. Yeah, and I think some kind of way he found just the right note, and, and it's probably just him being himself. Yeah, that's just who he is, and, and he found a way to make it work. Where you know, and not just Adrian Peterson. It seems like everybody wants to play hard for this guy. Uh, mm-hmm. You just don't hear any bad rumblings coming out of Minnesota right now. And no, it's not, not like they won a Super Bowl. They, they got to the playoffs and they won a division, but you know, there's nothing but. Guys buying in, as far as I can tell, in Minnesota, and with good reason. So um, I think he has a really good formula. I think he's a, a really good coach. And so, like I said, if anything, people just have to ask themselves, kind of like with the Bruce Arians situation out in Arizona. Yeah. Like, what the hell were we thinking that we felt like this wasn't the guy for our squad? Because I think if he did it in Minnesota, he could have done it anywhere in the league. Yeah. Yeah, and you even go back to what he did with the defense. I mean, obviously the on-field results when he was the D.C. in Cincinnati speak for themselves, but, you know, what he, with the players and everything like that too. I mean, it was just, you know, it was a – I mean, that wasn't a defensive line. I always go back to this. That wasn't a defensive line filled with first-round picks. And those, you know, the, the guys that are blue-chip players, right, when they come out of college, I mean, that was a defensive line. And it was a hell of a – that was a hell of a defense front to back. And and you can thank Zimmer for that, man. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, he actually allowed uh, – what's his name to walk? Uh, what's the dude who ended up with the Panthers last year? Jared Allen. Yeah. Uh, he actually allowed him to walk. And then, you know, you, like last year you bring in uh, Daniel Hunter – who had a lot of physical tools, but wasn't necessarily anywhere close to a finished product coming out of LSU. And all of a sudden, Daniel Hunter is getting all these damn sacks. Yeah. Right? And, and, and so you had uh, 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 the defensive tackle get hurt, uh, who, who was supposed to be having a, a really big year. I thought he Sherry was going to break Floyd. out last year. Uh, Sharif Floyd was supposed to break out last year. And then you get uh, uh, you know somebody else to step up, and so like you said, it's not necessarily big name guys yeah. that he has performing on that defense, but they're still balling out. They're still playing well, and so uh, and, and that was kind of the case in Cincinnati as well. Which again goes back to the fact that his track record shows us that he could do this. Yeah, he, he's done it plenty of times before in his career. So the question it still remains. Why wouldn't anybody trust them with their team up until now? It just kind of it's a head scratcher, and nobody will ever know except for those teams that either did interview him and passed, or the ones that didn't even, chose to not even interview him. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's a yeah, you just and it's same with Hugh Jackson. You know, like we just talked about, just it's one of those coaches that everybody's going to be kicking themselves. Why in the shit didn't we hire this guy when we had the chance to? as they're firing the second or third guy that they've had to fire <laughs> since they've had the chance to hire those guys. Right. So uh, it's, uh, it's, that's all, the NFL, the uh, NFL meritocracy. Right. Cause it, you know, it's always interesting what, how that works out because you got a guy like Josh McDaniels who was the hot commodity. Remember? Yeah. Uh, but, and a lot of times that hot commodity guy 
doesn't actually work out. But the guy who ends up getting passed over all those times, going all the way back to my coach, Tony Dungy. Yeah, <laughs> all those interviews, they passed over Coach Dungy, and he wasn't even like the, the fifth highest pick for the, the Bucks. Yeah. They wanted just everybody else kept telling them no. Uh, but but and you see how he turned around things down here. So it's just always interesting those stories of, of coaches who get passed over mm-hmm. and passed over and passed over, and then they end up uh, blossoming when the team finally gives them an opportunity. Yeah, so. absolutely. And that, you know, and I think the Dungy thing, it, it segues well into what he said in that interview with Mike Sando with ESPN a couple of weeks ago, too, about the Rooney rule, you know, not being it's still not having the impact we, you know, we're still not getting the broad scope of coaches hired in the league that we need to. Right. And you still and, have a lot of that. It's like, we're just going to hire the known, the hot commodity or the known commodity. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I think I only like glance at his, his comments. I know you said that basically is it, a lot of it is, they go into the process already wanting one guy without ever having interviewed anybody. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they don't take their time and actually go, go through the whole process of interviewing people to pick the right guy. Yeah. And I just think that's kind of indicative of where we are when it comes to coaches uh, right now. And it's not just on the pro level. You look on the, the college level, too. You got all these search firms and you got all these agents mm-hmm. who, you know, kind of do double duty and, and, and stuff like that. So it, it just, <clears throat> it, it puts people in a situation where guys who maybe aren't that good are, are being pushed and promoted for jobs that they're not really work, uh, ready for. Whereas guys who are much better prepared and much more ready to be a head coach, never get a fair hearing. I, I'm not just talking about uh, uh, coaches of color, but definitely coaches of color, uh, catch the short end of the straw as well. Yeah. Because it's harder to be a hot commodity when you don't have these people behind you pushing. And so, um, you know, it's a, it's, it's a, the thing of it is, is that while I totally uh, endorse the Rooney rule, ultimately it's going to come down to the decision makers. You can make them, interview however many people you want. If they continue to have this attitude that they're going to go into the process with somebody in mind before they ever hear anybody interview, there's not a whole lot you can do. I think that it's important because I think you never know, like if you're forced to interview these people, maybe they will actually say something that catches your attention and and you might've had somebody else in mind, but but this, you know, kind of changed things or what, ha- what have you. And also from the other side of it, it gives these coaches an opportunity to interview and find out what owners and, and what decision makers, GMs want to hear and want to hear yeah. about in these interviews. Right. Because if you never even get interviewed, then it's tough to be really prepared when you go in that room. Yeah. So th- there's benefits <laughs> to it, but ultimately it's going to come down to the decision makers. And yeah. until the decision makers actually stop rushing into these decisions for whatever reason because it's some guy's hot a hot commodity or something like that then uh, you st- the Rooney rule will not never solve everything yeah so no it's strange i mean the, the whole process of it i mean even without the Rooney rule just the, the whole process of hiring coaches i mean i've said it before and i'll probably say it again t- until i breathe my last breath but if 
there's a league where Jeff Fisher can work for 20 years as a head coach. You, we've got to do something wrong. We've got to be doing something wrong. <laughs> right. I mean, and, 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 and then the thing of it is, we make jokes about that, right? But it, it's like there's definitely a contingent that doesn't see anything wrong with it. Yeah, no. There's definitely a contingent that will 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 argue, hey, you know, he's he's worth it or he he's shown that he's a winner. Yeah. Even though he ain't really won since way back when he was with the Titans. And, yeah. And even then, that was only like a couple of years. But it, 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 that's the kind of thing. is like perception versus reality. Yeah. Um, you, you have uh, coaches that get fired early who don't give an oppor- get an opportunity to really fully implement their plan. And then you have other guys who can coach forever who are mediocre. Yeah. And there's no rhyme or reason to that difference, right? That, that you know, why does this guy get an extra three, four, or five years and this, uh, this other guy only got two? So, yeah, exactly. Uh, the, the decision makers have to answer for that. But like I said, at the end of the day, they're the ones that get to pick and choose. There, there'll never be a time where the NFL is going to choose a head coach for a team. No. So it, it, no matter what rule you put forth, it's still going to have to come down to the decision makers and the pressure ought to be on them. Like I say, you know, to, to, to explain why you're doing the things you're doing and, and, and your hiring processes and why that's going the way it's going. Yeah. No, and that's hard, too, because then, you know, they have such power over how the the things that get reported about their team that get reported. I mean, you know, it's such an in the NFL media is such an insider culture anyway. And then, in the, then you throw on those, t- I mean, just like we were talking about at the beginning of the show with the Floyd injury and the bears, just like how it comes back to, they put those ridiculous, those Soviet levels of controls on what teams can't, what people can and can't report out of training camp even. So yeah, you think they were, they're hiding a nuclear code. Uh, it's it's insane. So, I mean, you think it's like a matter of national security, right? Seriously, this <laughs> is kind of part of the deal. It is. It is. It is very interesting that uh, they don't, you know, they don't normally have to be held accountable. They don't normally normally have to come out and speak to the media ever. Some of them choose to, obviously, like Jerry Jones, but. A lot of these owners, you really never hardly hear from. No, not and at especially all. Especially in a situation where somebody's going to ask them tough questions, and, and with this move to you know have their in-house, their, their own media, uh, try to to try to even further control that message is probably only going to get worse on, on that front. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I think so too. I mean, and you look at you know it's just even more centralization with all that, and we'll see what happens when. Then it's time for another round of TV contracts in five years and how what changes that brings too. But um that's that's a little bit down the road and we've got uh we got camp and pup lists and ACLs and conditioning tests and all kinds of other things to worry about for now. <laughs> oh my <laughs> <laughs> I'm so inspired, I'm gonna go out and run a couple one tens. Yeah, not me. I watch. I time you. I time. I videotape you, but I ain't running. And by the one tens, I mean a one minute and ten seconds into the kitchen from here. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. I just looked outside. Nope. It it just looked hot. 
could just look. I wish I could just take a picture and show you it just look hot right now. No, sir. Absolutely not. Those days are long gone. Thank you. Yeah, I was going to say, getting older does have its benefits in that respect. Ooh. Yep, because ain't, ain't nobody asking me to run nowhere That's anymore, right. thankfully. <laughs> They know better. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. It has been a good show. Uh, we got a long one on the books here, but I think it's action-packed for the for the enthusiastic football fan here. There you go. Start a camp. Everybody, we're, we're in the best shape of our lives. We're ready to go. We really are. We really are. <laughs> we, we passed the blogger conditioning test. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Stephen, I will uh, we'll reconvene next week and we'll have some even more actual football to talk about. Can't wait. Me neither. <laughs>